Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. to this week's The Chels. Today, we've got a bumper crop of guests. First up is a man who needs no introduction, but if I say who it is, that probably counts as one. It's Mr Andy Saunders. Andy, how are you? All right, mate. How are you? Bearing I'm up? okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. You know, it's, it's a hard life working from home, but you, you know all about that. You used to have huge offices, didn't you? And, you know, floors of buildings. And now look at you. You're there, in your little Nissan hut. <laughs> yeah, you, you mentioned this because I, we had this conversation, didn't we, just before before we came on about this bloke from Pimlico Plumbers saying that basically anybody that works from home is a work shy lie about that's basically claiming benefits. Which is stupid. I don't know about you, but I'm flipping my laptop open at 7am and turning it off about 10 p- I've never worked so hard working from home. Yeah, Crazy. the only thing that was wrong with that statement is you, you're not claiming benefits, but no. the rest of it is true. You know, we are. We are. Well, we all do, I think. That. I think you do. I think um, Gary does. And, you know, every, all of us on here do, don't we? I approach working from home like I'm a CNN analyst. Hold on. Hold on, Gary. You can't talk because you've not been introduced yet. So just wait. Um, OK, well, the cat's out of the bag. We do have another guest. We have two more guests, in fact. The next one coming up to the roll call of dishonour. It's Mr. Gary Hayes. Now, what was all that CNN stuff all about? How are you, by the way? Oh, I'm great. As we were talking before, we had to tell you to put your trousers on, didn't we, Kerry, after you were impersonating CNN analysts from lockdown? Uh, I don't really know what you mean. We, we, we didn't want to see it. We didn't want to see it. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. What happened with this CNN journalist? Well, after a Zoom call, he, um, he got a bit tasty, didn't he? And he's only just been allowed back on air. What tasty? What does that mean? What are you trying to say? Don't beat around the bush. Well, he let you Stanford out of the bridge. <laughs> okay, okay, we've got to the to the crux of the matter. I genu- genuinely think you should move on, Kerry. 
Yeah, I think genuinely we should. Okay, lastly, we have a first timer on the Chills joining us. It's actor Chaz Early. Second timer, I'd say. Yeah, I, you weren't um, hosting at that time, Kerry. I don't. I can't remember what happened, but uh, no, it's my. It is my second occasion, and it's very nice to be back. Well, I apologise. I absolutely didn't know, and no one told me. So there you go. But I. I'll be right in stating you're probably best known for your portrayal as Bill Hicks in your one-man show, Bill Hicks' Slight Return. That's yes? absolutely right. There's still a few people out there who'll remember that. It's uh, it's getting further and further into the uh, the, dis- the far past distance now. But, um, yeah, that was the thing that I did that was most popular, certainly. I have just given my racist dad in an episode of Doctors, which you might have seen, you know, all now working from home, of course. So um, uh-huh. they even dressed me as uh, Nigel Farage alike with a lovely uh-huh. wax jacket and what have you. But um, I thought yeah, I saw a... you in Kent filming boats, Chas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, I'm... Uh, so, but definitely, yeah, the Bill Hicks was, was the thing that people might have seen me in or heard about. Excellent. OK, well, doctors will be checking out, that's for <laughs> sure. Um, so, Chas, are you, are you proper Charles as well, quickly? Sorry to interrupt. Hold on. Yeah, who's running this, Gary? Chaz, are you proper Chelsea? Would I be here otherwise? First went in April 77, been a season ticket holder since 95, no, 96, 97. Where'd you sit, Chaz? Matthew Harding Lower, gate 15. Lovely. Yeah. Okay. Kerry used to sit there before he he went all posh. Yeah, I (laughs) I, I went to the posh seats and I'm now in the West Stand Lower. Which I've still yet to go to. So where, all, where all the where all the good, where all the good people sit? Obviously. Yeah, all, all, all the, the riffraff. All, all the riffraff. Can can I ask, Chaz? Yes, mate. With your Bill Hicks um, show, yeah. Did you impersonate him? Did you? Yeah. So it was okay. It, the premise was him coming back from the dead, ten years after he died, to talk about. You know, it, it was saying different day kind of thing. He was saying, you know, did you not really listen to me? Things seem to have got worse, all that kind of stuff. And this was obviously it was even before. Uh, um, so it was in, the, in it was at the, sort of the time of the second George Bush. So it was even before uh, Mr. Trump got in. So, uh, but but you know, there was plenty of stuff that was still going on at that time, ten years after he died, that he would have been ranting about when he was alive. Maybe, maybe for the, for some of the listeners who don't know who Bill Hicks is, maybe you could just give us a couple of couple of sentences on him. I probably should. Yes, yeah, sorry. He so he was a really. I'm looking him up if you can. He's I mean, there's a lot of him on YouTube. Um, he was an iconoclastic comedian who was uh, very sort of liberal, but also not in terms of kind of like you know sort of pro Obama as a as as opposed to sort of anti Bush. It was just more anti politics or anti big politics and sort of very. Uh, sort of really into his mind expanding drugs and uh, kind of uh, uh, psychic experiences and stuff like that. But, but just sort of also, uh, if that puts you, if that hasn't put you off, he was actually devastatingly funny and, and a real, he was very popular over here. It, weirdly, he was sort of playing, was playing, you know, 3000 seater arenas plus over here when he was still only really kind of playing comedy clubs in the States because he was saying stuff that people over here are much more open-minded about hearing and of course, in America, there was, you know, those who were in the know absolutely loved him. But, uh, you know, if an audience coming in cold to see him were quite often a bit shocked and a bit. Died, um, died quite young, didn't he? He did, yeah. He was 32, I think. Um, oh, God, he was younger than I thought he was. Yeah, right? pancreatic cancer. Yeah. Um, so did you right? have to. Yeah, 32. Yeah. Sure did, right. did you, so did you have to take truckloads of mind bending drugs to get into character? <laughs> I didn't have to. Um, <laughs> 
Uh, but you're very method. Uh, well, you know, it would be it would be wrong of me, wouldn't it, to sort of take on a try and take on a character <laughs> without really getting into the depth of him that way. But no, no, no. I mean, it was um, <clears throat> it was more about looking at the sort of uh, things that he talked about as a comic, really noticing how a lot of those things like crap, bland music, um, lying politicians, those sort of things were sort of very much still going on, especially in, in, in uh, the States at the time, and, and trying to update his take. So trying to imagine what his take would be on the stuff that was going on 10 years after his death. And the whole premise was that the audience called him back from heaven and he was there in the sort of angel, angel wings. And uh, yeah, so it was him sort of saying, you know, someone else should be taking on my mantle now and, and moving on the story. So you're good at impressions then, Chaz? I was going to get to that. I was going to say, is there a difference between being in character and doing an impression of i mean i did do an impression of him you know I, I, yeah you because you're playing him because i do really good impressions as well oh, oh, God. God's sake. gary <laughs> you don't need to big yourself <laughs> up this is where we're going with it just oh, let the person Kerry, I running didn't read the your show script i did not read it. your script it go on sorry quiet. start Carry from on, the Chaz. beginning uh yeah i did as a matter of fact uh, gary so tell me do you do you do impersonations as well do you do impressions oh, yourself no. i do he does yeah. the world's worst impressions he only does two one is a New Zealander. Oh, okay. Just a no, actually, New no, there, there is a third that you don't know about, Kerry, which has gone down in Chelsea infamy in the communications office because um, I do a mean... Well, I used to do a mean Marcel Desailly as well. Oh. So one time I... Um, I had Desai interview Ron Harris. Yeah, Ron Harris is his <laughs> other impression. And Ron went, well, well you know, uh, Marcel, from one captain to another, you know, just want to say well done on the trophy. <laughs> I haven't no. done Marcel for years, but it's someone like, well, uh, thank you, Ron. Uh, I am the Chelsea captain, and uh, I won the FA Cup in 2000. That's just a generic <laughs> French accent. <laughs> it was a lot better. It was a lot better. It's just but like then, a generic, like, sort of and then, um, French accent. It's like David Ginola was in the room with us. <laughs> but then, then um, the, our Auckland uh, fan club like was like... It was more like the cast of Heidi High, actually, or what, what was that one in the war... You know, that, that hello, hello. awful thing. Yeah, That's yeah. it. Yeah. And he already said that. Oh, did he? Oh, I couldn't hear this then. Well, um, bro, and then I came over from Auckland, bro, and I went, really, oh, come that. on, Chelsea, bro, down King's Road, get to Stamford Bridge, bro. It's literally not a New Zealand accent. The thing is, Gary, <laughs> is like, these are all awful, awful impressions. <laughs> Jazz Early is a professional who's, who makes a Chaz living. Jazz is out looking at me, this. thinking, "Bloody hell, who's his, semi-professional. who's his agent? <laughs> who's his agent? He needs shooting." Yeah, no, exactly. Luckily, you don't have an agent; otherwise, somebody may have booked you. Um, <laughs> all right, well, I do apologise, Chaz. No, I do apologise. No, I loved it. No, if you can think of a little piece of Bill Hicks to do for us, maybe later in the show. Oh God. But if you don't have There's to, not but... an awful lot that you could do that doesn't involve some quite violent swearing, is all. That's good. So we, we don't mind that. Oh, all right. Good. All right. Well, yeah, I'll have so... a little think and see what I can come okay. up with. Okay. So how did you become a Chelsea fan? Uh, it's a very good question. I mean, um, I'm actually from South East London, although my family, parts of my family were from Battersea. So they were naturally, uh, they would naturally should have been Chelsea fans. And it was a part of the world I was, uh, I later lived in and was very fond of and what have you. Um, but actually, the person who should really have been a Chelsea fan was an Arsenal fan. I hate to say that, but he was. That was my granddad. 
But I don't know. I, I, I think I watched the, I think what it was is that I watched the 72 League Cup final and, you know, it became very apparent very quickly that, uh, you know, apart from just liking a team that wore all blue, you had to, you had to follow a team that you could go and see. And that was the main thing. And, uh, you know, when I went to school, there were people who were Liverpool supporters. And, uh, I, yeah, absolutely. So, and I, I was absolutely dead all, absolutely dead against that. And as soon as my dad had a mate who was able to take me to the bridge, um, and, uh, I, he was a copper. So he'd sort of just go and stack, he'd flash his warrant card and I'd get in onto the benches. And, um, yeah, that was the first, yeah, that was the first time I went and that kind of sold the deal really. And that, for, to be fair, that was the year I was really, really taking notice for the first time was our promotion year, 76, 77. And obviously that was an exciting, a fairly exciting young team. And I saw a couple of games at the end of that season and, and that, that sold me. And of course, then it was, you know, pretty much 30 years of misery after that. Is that, that the season Wolves won it, didn't they? And That's we finished right. second and Tommy Langley scored up at Molyneux. Yeah, it was superb. And yeah, uh, yeah he was a big favourite of mine. And, um, uh, uh, and he, and that was the Wolves game. The one all Wolves was the, the first game I went to. Oh, amazing. That's funny. Cause that, 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 that game, Chelsea were banned that we weren't meant to have any fans at the game. And, uh, cause I, I interviewed Tommy Langley about this last year for, for the Chelsea program, and we were meant to, we weren't meant to have any fans, but he said they got there, and there was just fans everywhere. Where the police, rather than because about something like ten thousand Chelsea fans had gone up there for it, and rather than just leaving them on the street, they went, "Look, let's just get them in. We've got to get them in, otherwise they're going to cause carnage out in Wolverhampton." Yeah, yeah, and you're one of them. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. But Andy, of course, you used to do Chelsea radio during the commentary. You used to do an awful lot with Tommy Langley, didn't you? Well, Top did. he bloke, was, he wasn't was he? my co-commentator for many yeah. years, Tommy. Yeah, he was a great bloke. And yeah. I always used to start by saying 50 goals for Chelsea and play of the year in 1976. Yeah. Absolutely. Lungs Langley, that's right, yeah. yeah. Good Langley. And I was, was his player. substitute, as you know. He used to get me on when he couldn't do it. Absolutely. Oh, I love doing it. So, Chaz, okay, so you are proper Chels, unlike <laughs> Gary, who really isn't. He's such a plastic, but um, <laughs> you're proper Chels. The first game we're going to talk about uh, tonight is the Malmo game yeah. from last week. What is there? There's something indefinable about European nights at the bridge, isn't there? And it doesn't matter whether it's Real Madrid or Malmo. There's something about, I don't know whether it's, because you've got away fans from another country in, um, or, or what? It, what? There's just a magic about Europe, isn't there? Do you think that ever goes away? Because I can't think that it ever has. It hasn't for me, and it hasn't. And as you say, it hasn't even when it's. Um, I, I mean, our early European games were so electric because also we maybe were. Don't say it's the wrong way, but we were. Uh, sorry, I say it. Sorry, early European games at, uh, in the Champions League. Um, they were they were incredibly electric because uh, we were ha- perhaps punching above our weight a little bit there at that time. But I remember, you know, the first the, the first Barcelona game, I I, I thought we were going to bring the bridge down. You know, the the, um, the Torrente Flow well. game, yeah, yeah. Um, and but I it was hasn't that changed. out that day. Sorry, go on, carry on. Mate, it was a big. That was a big miss. Sorry, Gary knows how to ruin a story. Um, carry on, Chad. No, yeah, I was, all I was going to say was that. Uh, but you know, not very long after that, I remember going to see 
you know, uh, sort of, sort of play tr- the home game against Tromso, and you know, s- you know, singing sing when it's snowing, and you only sing when you're fishing, and all that kind of stuff. And it, th- there is something about seeing. I mean, there's always something about seeing a game under under the lights, anyway. But also, you're right. There's 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 a there's a sort of frisson that comes with it. Uh, it being a team from, you know, a team that you wouldn't normally play. Different people in town. Yeah, I I really love those. I, I really love European nights, and I include the sort of what we would now call the sort of minnow nights um, that we, uh, you know, that we get early on in the knockout in the sort of pre knockout rounds. That Tromso stage. game. It was the anniversary of that Tromso game last week, All right. and uh, I think it was twenty-five years. I think it was certainly. Was it really? Yeah, it was a no. Oh, it was Tromso wasn't it ninety-seven, ninety-eight? Because Viali was long, playing, he scored with his ass. Time ago. Yeah, yeah. It was after we won. It was in, it was in the Cup Winners' Cup, and yeah. we had. Um, yeah. We we're playing in the yellow kit. That's right. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm talking about the home game. That was obviously the away game, but but um, yeah, it was. Uh, yes, it would have been. It would have been Cup Winners' Cup, wouldn't it? And um, but just. It was seven one. I think we won that one, but there was there's just something even you know even when it's those teams, those teams, it, there there's something a, a whole lot different about those nights, particularly when we're playing well. Um, and now you know I know a lot of people don't like the sort of pomp and circumstances circumstance that comes with it. The uh, you know the 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 Champions League theme and all that kind of stuff, but it does it sort of gets the hair standing up on the back of the neck. Yeah, no, it does, and. Also, 1998, there, there is... that game was. Yeah. So it's the uh, what? An- what anniversary have we just celebrated then? 23. 23. Yeah. yeah. So okay, well you're not far out. So um, something though about when you get those sides that you've never really seen, yeah, very often and things. Something about Malmo. What I loved was, you know, and we found this out afterwards. I love the fact that Pontus Jansen, who was playing against us at the weekend for Brentford was spotted the in the crowd yeah. with Christopher Ayer as yeah. well. I thought it was just brilliant in there amongst the Malmo fans, not anywhere in the, the celebrity box or whatever, in the director's box. Were you surprised, Andy? Uh, surprised about what, exactly? Sorry, About seeing seeing a footballer from the Premier League going and supporting his club. Well, of course, I was being... in the ground, so I didn't see it on the telly. How could I be surprised? Well, you, you, you'd have seen the highlights, you know, no. and you'd have seen the fact. No, no, you don't see highlights. I've watched the game, Kerry. And you don't ever look at the highlights when you come home. Well, I do occasionally, but I didn't. I didn't on that occasion. But you say well, it as if you say it as if this is like, a, oh well, you, you definitely would have seen that. It's like I was literally at the game. Well, I thought you wouldn't be such a plastic. I thought you'd get home and study the game so you could actually talk about it knowledgeably on the. I know podcast that you haven't been to the game week. this year, Kerry, because you've not been well. But we're not all watching it on the telly. That's the thing. Well, I don't know. I, th- I thought I would have thought you'd have had a look, Gary. But no, it what is, it is interesting, and yeah. I think it's always listen. There's always something about a player standing in the crowd with the with the team, which is great. You know, I think it's uh, more players should do it. Yeah, I, th- I think I think it's fantastic. Uh, you know, and he seemed quite up for it, didn't he? Did you see it, Gary? Did you see that he was in the ground? Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah. And what did you think? Did you? Great. Gary, Gary sounds sound very nonplussed by it. <laughs> <laughs> Love to see it. Love to see it. Okay. Well, this game I did only actually see the second half um, because I was doing a live show the other week and I met this guy called Nick who listens to the pod. And um, and he reminded me of the fact that I missed the Super Cup to watch Heat. And then it got in my head where I was like, I really want to watch Heat again. So I was watching Heat what, again? last week, yeah, because it's one of my favourite films. So I missed the first half because I was like, oh, God, I can't. No, I want to see if De Niro gets killed by Pacino still. So I was watching Heat again and I only watched the second half. Sorry. <laughs> 
As you may be discovering, Chaz, Gary's quite strange. Um, but well, let, let's go on to on to the the Malmo game itself. Andy, it was a it was a pretty decent side that Tuchel put out. But I guess he had to after the Juventus game. Plus, you need to get those home wins, don't you? Well, I think as well that you know this is where you you, you have to you know you have to push home your advantage uh, wherever possible i yeah he played a very strong side mendy in goal back three of christensen silver and rudiger chilwell and aspilicueta as the as the fullbacks canty and Jorginho as the double six mount verner and lukaku or mount and verner standing uh, sitting behind lukaku so yeah i mean that's a proper full strength team yeah it it, it was it, it well it was, was for those, a while it was for a while that's what i was just going to say yeah. i mean first off i mean we'll go on to the injuries in a minute but what was it like, Chaz, when Christensen scored and you realised that it was him after all this time manages to bang one in? And it was not a bad shinner either. To be honest, I, I it hadn't even registered with me that he'd never scored for us before. It, it, 137 so, appearances un- before Absolutely scoring. remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. For a bloke who's got a decent header on him as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, and it was it, it was good. It, it, it was... It, it was an added an added bonus, but the main thing, as they always say, you know, you, uh, whoever whoever gets the ball in the net, it doesn't really matter. We're doing it all for the team. But yeah, nice to see him get on the score sheet, and uh, I hope it'll be the start of of many more, first of many more. Yeah, yeah. And Gary, do do you think Andreas Christensen is finally getting the recognition he deserves? Because he has come a long way. He's been in and out the side. He's had moments where you go, "Well, I'm not sure he's up to it." But he seems to have really evolved, doesn't he, now? Are we seeing just about the finished article with him as a, as a footballer? Not the finished article, I don't think. I think he's a good player, and he's shown he's a good player, but I think there's still more to do. I think the finished article in a Chelsea sense is Carvalho, maybe, to sort of compare similar styles. And he's not on the level of Carvalho yet, but I think he's certainly one of the best defenders at Chelsea right now. And do do you think that he will get to that level? Do you think we're okay? So if he's not the finished article, is he getting closer and closer? Can you see him becoming? Because when he was younger, everyone used to talk about he was potentially a future captain of Eng, of, of Chelsea, and that seems to have disappeared off the radar over the last few years. The idea was that he had the stature to become an important player. Do you see that within within his future? Yeah, I don't think he needs to be captain to be regarded as an important player. And I think the way that he plays anyway is that, you know, there's maybe other players that might be suited to being captain, but I don't think you need to be captain, right? I think it's an honour, but you don't need to be captain. But I think he's getting there. He's certainly a better player now than he was when Conte left, when we saw him have that dip and he sort of had that, you know, crisis of confidence. But, you know, I think he's a good player and I like the fact that, you know, when we played against Brentford, I know it was a game preceding Malmo, but he sort of, I, I watched the highlights. I didn't, I didn't see the game, but I watched the highlights and he seemed to be, you know, he, he was the experienced head in there and he seemed to step up to that, even though Chelsea were bombarded with, you know, a lot of um, aerial balls and they were tested. But I just think maybe let's see him how he does when Thiago Silva leaves, when Rudiger leaves, and see if he can step up to be that senior player. Because he's 25 now, so he's coming of age in terms of where he should be as a player, right? So let's see if he can do that. But I think he's certainly on the right trajectory. Andy, what do you think? And you make a very interesting point there about Thiago Silva, I presume, will leave within the next year or so. Uh, And, of course, there's a little bit of confusion about where Rudiger stands with us. Can Christensen go on to be the player? 
Well, Andy, I get, and before, what do you think about Rudiger? Well, before I get to that, Gary, did you miss the Brentford game because you were watching Heat by any chance? Uh, no, actually, I was in Switzerland oh, for right, the day because okay. um, right. I had to go for a award ceremony with European Athletics because I do some work with them. Ah, so okay. I was in Switzerland. Well, that's and that I, I was I was getting commentary from Kerry All right. during that's the that game. Cleared up then, which yeah. is good. Uh, on Christensen, I mean, I've said for a while now that I don't think he's put a foot a foot wrong since he's come back in. You know, in 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 a real sense, under Tuchel, I think he's been exceptional. I haven't seen any leadership qualities from him. I don't get the captain thing. I don't. He doesn't strike me as being a leader as such. I think he's been absolutely exceptional 100%. as a player, though. I mean, really really fulfilled a lot of his potential. I actually think Gary's right. I don't think he's quite the finished article yet. I still think there's a, a little bit to be done, but he's well on the way to it. I think he's going to be a really, really important player for us for, for a long time, hopefully. Uh, in terms of Rudiger, well, you know, he needs to sign a contract, really, or we need to give him an offer that, 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 um, that he can accept. Um, I think, again, he's a player that really has blossomed under Tuchel. So strange to think of him out in the cold under Lampard and, and, and not rated and having a lot of aspersions cast upon him by certain sections of our fan base, calling him a snake and all sorts of stuff. I mean, so weird to think back to what is not so long ago, to where he is now with this kind of cult status within the club. Um, I really, really hope he stays. You know, there's very few people that go past Rudiger. I just think he's been, a, you know, he really has been a leader at the back. And I think him and Christensen, uh, Silva, um, Chalabar, you know, even Malang Sar, I mean, I think they've all been, you know, a really, really solid uh, central defensive unit. What do you think, Chaz? I mean, just going back to Christensen, um, there, I, I was one of the people who uh, really wanted him in his early days at the club to kind of, you know, to really uh, reach that potential that everybody talked about a lot quicker. Um, he used to disappoint me. I remember there was a, a home game against um, Barcelona a couple of years ago when he'd been to, I think he'd been to Gladbach and had come back. And it was the year that he was supposed to really kick on. And in that game against Barcelona, he, I think he, he definitely, he passed the ball across the edge of the box and it was Messi's first and probably still only goal for um, for Barcelona against us. And uh, that was, so I was, just, I was doubly disappointing because it was Messi's goal against us. But, and I remember thinking at the time, you know, this, you're supposed to be, a, you're supposed to have kicked on a little bit from, from, from that sort of level, making that sort of mistake. Now, I think Andy's absolutely right. I, I can't remember him making a mistake. I can't remember a time where he, he uh, I mean, definitely not this season, where he's, uh, he's he's made a bad back pass, missed a tackle, missed a header, anything like that. His distribution is excellent. Uh, he's a slightly different player, I think, to Rudy, who I also love to bits. But I just think we're, we're so lucky to have at the club three centre-backs of the stature of of him, Rudiger and Thiago Silva at the same time. And as Andy says, you know, it's not like the, 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 our backup players are, are, are too shabby either. So, it's, yeah, it's a tremendous – It's we're tremendously lucky to have all three of them, I think. And, and Christensen really is now showing uh, signs of all the potential – you know, that potential having been reached that we all knew about in his early days. So Gary, for you, Rudiger, does he stay? Does he go? What's going to happen? How do you feel about, is he playing well because he's playing for the shirt or is he playing for a transfer? I mean, I, I, I don't think it matters in a lot of ways because we just need to see big performances and he's putting them in week in, week out. Yeah. I don't care if a player is playing for himself or Chelsea, so long as he's playing well, right? 
Um, we all want people to to love the club like we do, but the reality is they don't because they're not fans. They're not meant to be fans. Um, <clears throat> do, do I want him to leave if he stays in this form? Not really. Do I care if he goes? Not really. There, there'll be other players, but I'm not looking for him to leave. But I just think that you know, there's other defenders that Chelsea can find on the market. I'm sure they're scouting other players. I think fair play to Rudiger is that he's trying to get a contract, whether it's at Chelsea or elsewhere, but he's doing it the right way. He's not throwing his toys out the pram. He's playing football and he's playing it well. So if that works this season and Chelsea win the title and he leaves, then fair play to him and good luck wherever he goes. But I think if he stays in this form, he certainly makes Chelsea stronger, doesn't he? So I just sort of feel, yeah, not good or bad about it either way, really. I just think if he's doing the job for Chelsea, he's doing a job for Chelsea, which is good. Do you think, Andy, do you think his marauding has been spectacular in this last six months? I mean, he's, he's gone on to another level, hasn't he, with, with, with how far he gets and, and how much he does for the side away from just defending. Well, it's hilarious, isn't it? I mean, he's, he's you know, at some point, you know, in, in the game, usually halfway through the first half, it's almost like activate Rudiger, isn't it? And he just, <laughs> off, he, off, he, off he goes on this kind of mazy, as you call it, marauding run uh, to blast one into the top tier of the, um, of the shed end. Um, the thing is, one of those is going to go in. One of those is going to go in. It's going to be an absolute thunder bastard off the, you know, off the bottom of the crossbar and in. And we're going to call Stone. it. The, and it's going to be the greatest goal ever scored at Chelsea Football Club. It's just going to take him 150 attempts, but he'll get there in the end. I mean, it, look, it is, it is effective. I mean, he is getting forward. It's, it's actually better when he moves forward and then lays it simple to Chilwell or Alonso or whoever's out there on the left. But you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's good to see. He, he, he plays without fear. What's really interesting to see is how well drilled we are to cover. Him when he does that, you see Jorginho drop back or Kante drop back and cover that centre-back position. It's really interesting to see that they know exactly what to do when he does that. And he's obviously been given the licence to do it, which is you know shows a certain amount of trust from the manager as well. Well, it, I think what happened is, Kerry, just on that point, is that he saw Kurt Zuma do that run against Ajax last year where it was literally from box to box. And he came so close to scoring so the greatest... Close. The greatest ever goal seen at Stamford Bridge. And Rudiger saw that and he thought, well, Kurt's gone now. It's up to me to take on the mantle and and, and get that goal, get that special goal. Yeah, no, you, you may well be right. I mean, I, I love watching Rudiger go for it. I, I think he did have a very poor season the year before last. And you can see why things fell apart with him and Frank. Um, he was not at the level he then moved on to. Uh, I think we're seeing Rudiger playing his best football that I've seen him play at Chelsea. We were I've... horrible, horribly defensively organised under Lampard, you know, yeah. is what I would say in his defence. I don't think he was brilliant, but I don't think that there was much of a defensive plan under Frank, or certainly not to the extent that there is under Tuchel. don't think he was particularly well served in Frank's team and you know I, who knows what went on behind closed doors but I'm certainly not putting all the blame for his form at Rudiger's feet to be honest no I, th- I think but that's what happens isn't it if you coach badly then you obviously make bad defensive yeah, errors I think uh, I think look at Man well, United. Ba- badly might be even might be even a little bit strong I think or naively co- naively I think that's probably the best way of saying it I think our defending was very naive under Frank Lampard and you know I think maybe with a bit of distance he'll admit that I don't know I mean I can't speak for Frank I think what uh, Tuchel's done better than Lampard is that I think he's just played to the strengths of those players rather than yeah. forget the coaching and what 
he's just sort of looked at that defence and thought, OK, look, I can't really play. Whether he wants to play four at the back, who knows? But he's playing a three in a way that Lampard never did, right? And he's sort of played to those strengths of those players, which is maybe why you're seeing the best of Christensen now as well. I, I don't know, just sort of an assumption you make when you see it that, you know, the way that Conte did, we weren't, no one's quite sure what he was going to do, right? And then suddenly he came out with his system with wing-backs and Moses looked like bloody Cafu, you know, for a yeah, season. Yeah, but also the idea, the idea of the double six as well, you know, with Jorginho being the fulcrum that, that helps break the press and, you know, the idea that Mount's going to be the person that breaks the press between the the midfield and the up. All these little bits that fit together that make it much easier to defend and also as well put in a great goalkeeper behind them as well. You know, it all, it all helps, you know, so... Do, okay, so um, we, we've got this, I, I would like to say, uh, cajoling of players, coaching of players by Tuchel, getting the best out of them. And it's almost like he's started at the back. There's no doubt Mendy has improved as a goalkeeper under this coaching system with Tuchel. And uh, also, we know that the defence has been worked on and they're a different kind of unit because probably because of their coaching so or do we think that the midfield he's sort of working on he's hedging his bets here and there but up front is the place that confuses him the most and he seems to have moved in the last week or two into playing a front two of of Werner and of Lukaku how ironic when it looks as though this is the stall he's trying to work to both of them get injured on the same night. What do you think, Chaz? Yeah, it was it was a horrible it was a horrible thing to happen. And uh, you know, in a way, I actually felt worse for Timo than I did for Lukaku because um, Timo just seemed to he'd come back into the team. He just seemed to be getting a bit more confidence. Uh, you know, he stuck the ball in the back of the net a couple of times against Southampton, one of which counted. And I, I I've got so much time for him, and I I really want him to do well. Um, so I, I was, I was really, I was really sad for him. I, I think Romelu Lukaku is a, a fantastic number nine. I wonder if we were really serving him quite as well as we should, or whether the team was serving him. Um, I still feel like he's a, a player who would like a few more crosses. Uh, he's a player who would like to play, I think, on the last shoulder of some defenders. And of course, we don't. You know, we're we're rarely counter-attacking. Um, we're usually, you know, we're usually up in the for you know ninety-nine percent of the teams we play, we're in there final third, passing the ball around, trying to create an opening, and that's probably not playing to his uh, particular strengths. But I think I, I I think and I hope they will make a great pairing, and I do think that having a very uh, sort of a very nippy striker that pulls defenders away. You know, just like he did in the Champions League final for Havertz goal, that's that's something that Timo can do for for uh, for Romelu, and hopefully that will that will be a pairing that really comes good when they're both back, fit and firing. So okay, so th- with them both out, it kind of scuppers any more uh, discovery as to whether the system can work. But Gary, it looks as though now for the foreseeable, whether it's one week, two weeks, or three weeks or longer. We're going to have to play Havertz as as the nine, aren't we? Is he a striker? Can he be the striker for Chelsea? Or does he not do enough in that position? Well, it's not that he doesn't do enough. It's just that he's not a striker, which isn't a criticism. It's just an observation, right? He wasn't signed to be a number nine. He wasn't signed to be a false nine. 
he wasn't signed to be a striker. He was signed to be an attacking midfielder. And I think that he'll do he'll do a job and he'll try to play that position. But I think it's unfair to criticise him on playing as the number nine because that's not what he's there to do. That's not what he does. It's not what he's grown up playing. You know, you see him at Leverkusen and he wasn't playing that position. So Well, he did the last 18 games at Leverkusen. He played as a nine. Did he? Yeah. Oh, well, you know more than me. Okay. I know. Well, there you go. Well, so, that's obvious. So maybe he is a nine then. But I don't think he was signed as a nine for Chelsea. But he, he was a nine in a partnership with, what's his name, Flick, I think it was. Right. Well, there um, you go. So maybe he was playing off him. And yeah. at Chelsea, he's not going to play off anyone, right? Um, and just to put it into context with Norwich, we scored seven goals and he wasn't even really close. But that's, again, I'm not criticising him. I'm just sort of, I just don't think he's a nine. I think Chelsea's two strikers are out injured and they've got to deal with it. But um, I think we'll struggle with Havertz if we play against a good team. So, Andy, it looks as though we're going to probably have to play him in that kind of a role, pretty much. Do you feel sorry for Havertz? He's not had a good rub of the green since he's been at Chelsea for various reasons. No, he hasn't. He's, he had COVID. He wasn't very well. He's had some injuries. He's been in and out of the team. Uh, he struggled with his confidence a little bit, you know, but he's also put in some eye-catching performances. He'll always be a legend because of his goal in the Champions League final. Um, you know, there, there's a lot to like about Kai Havertz. I mean, I do still say I think he's a generational talent. I just don't think we've seen the best of him yet. I think he's brilliant. Gary's right in some respects in the sense that he's not a number nine in the sense that Lukaku is or, or Giroud is, but... To be honest, these days, a lot of the top teams are playing without that kind of number nine. You look at Man City, you know, look at Liverpool to a degree. They're not really playing with, with a nine, an old-fashioned centre-forward. Um, and what was interesting about Norwich was that, no, he wasn't involved. He wasn't on the score sheet, but he was sort of involved in, in the play, whether it was taking runners away, whether it was starting things, whether he was involved. You know, we're going to play, in the next couple of weeks, a very fluid front three um, and you know we're going to be we're going to be needing and we're going to ex- be expecting goals from all over the place and you know that that to me is no bad thing that we can create some fluidity in the play and we're not going to be completely predictable and just playing a ball up to a big lad up front which I know that's not what we do with Lukaku but it's going to be a different style of play that we're going to be playing and against Norwich it was very effective you know they're not the strongest team in fact they were a dreadful team possibly one of the worst teams I've seen at Stamford Bridge for a very long time um, and we've got some you know some some tricky games coming up but I'm not too distressed about Havertz playing there I think he's a classy player that will you know he's got a goal in him he's got an assist in him and you know as long as the other players around him are running off him and and playing well I think we'll be fine yeah and to be fair Norwich are the second worst side in the league well below the Man U I guess and Um, Arsenal and Arsenal (laughs) well anyway Chaz the other thing with with the Norwich game which we've moved on to here in amongst those seven goals um, and we got however many from academy players and a kind of an own goal created by an academy player, uh, we saw a hat-trick from Mason Mount. Now, here's a fact I didn't know. He's now the 20th player to score a hat-trick for Chelsea in the Premier League. Who do you have 19, Kerry? Ah, well, that's what I want you to write on a postcard uh, (laughs) and send in. Uh, And only one other club have got more than us, and we have to beat this. Do you know who it is? United. Who's got... No, it's Arsenal with 21 different okay. players. Okay. Yeah, we really must yeah, beat it. Yeah, and that was... But, yeah, on to Mason Mount and scoring. You know, it's, I think there's, there is... There are still people, apparently, who don't see 
how great he is. I don't think you should really be taking too many penalties. Oh, both of those penalties were but god awful, weren't they? They really weren't much good, were they? But uh, I mean, it actually nearly bounced off yeah. Cruz's leg and away the one that he, that he did put in. But anyway, uh, phenomenal player, brilliant. Uh, I think he's got great vision. He's got great timing. He can score a goal, as we saw. Um, I he's perhaps not the world's greatest header of the ball, but you know that's that's really being pernickety. I mean, I, I he's he's and you're talking generational talents, and I think if he if he continues to grow in the way that we've seen him grow in the you know the two two, two and a half seasons been with or whatever three seasons been with us and the season before with Derby, he he's he's going to be a player that would be the first on the team sheet, not only for Chelsea, but for England. And I still can't, I don't, I've never been able to understand some, you know, sometimes there are players who polarize fans and I'm not saying he does that. I just think it's a a loud minority who don't, who don't see the, what he's, his qualities, but there are some players who you, you can absolutely understand why some people don't like him, even if you do, but it, it, you know, Every everybody who is anybody knows how much quality he brings to the side. You're right, though. You're right when you say that it's about understanding what they do. And the problem with Mason, a bit like yeah. Jorginho, who's the other one that polarises a lot of people, is that people don't yeah, really yeah. understand what he does. You know, don't even know what he does, bruv. It's like, you know, the thing about Mason, he brings such an energy into the into the team um, and, you know, such a uh, such a quick type of thinking into the game and 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 is able to kind yeah. of bring the team with him is such a talismanic player but he doesn't have a really defined role he's not a winger he's not a striker he's not he's not you know you know the sort of the the the, the obvious attacking midfielder he's a he's an interesting unique player and the same can be said for for Jorginho and this isn't a cue for for Gary to come in and just say oh, some it's point, not pointless nonsense <laughs> about Jorginho but you know but it is I think sometimes when a players don't have have a very specific role people do misunderstand mm. what they do i think like habits i think all right he wouldn't play an out an out and out front man role like habits might do in certain circumstances but he's he can play anywhere in the midfield he can play off a striker i suspect that if you asked him to he'd even play one of the pivot roles but he you know he, he does bring such drive such intelligence to, to the team and I, I think he's really going to be you know uh, we, if if you didn't if if he's not playing, you're really going to notice he's not playing. A few, we've had a few players like that, and Eden Hazard, you know, played a false nine role on occasion, played on the left wing, played at ten, you know, played played, you know, was another player that didn't have a defined role. He just had such magic in the feet that people took to him immediately. But you know, we do have these players that you know they don't fit into the tick box of a position. Sometimes I think Mason's definitely one of those players. What do you think he's? best position is i think i think he's he's more akin to what de bruyne does for for man city in in terms of orchestrating what's going on i think that he him sitting behind a striker uh is, so you think is, chelsea is, should play through him more rather than playing up to him I, um, I, I think that's a very interesting point. I, um, I, I don't have to give that some thought, but I do think he's going to be more effective when he's facing goal and able to orchestrate what's going on rather than have his back to goal and have to, you know, and then have to, to turn like a, like a number nine would. So I think when he's running at players and able to get his head up and look, pick a pass or, or, or create an opportunity, that's when we're going to see him at his most effective. I yeah, agree. I, I, think it, I think perhaps if we'd have lost just Romelu... Uh, in the Malmo game, 
and we'd have played it. Sorry, just lost Werner, beg your pardon. And, and I would have liked to have seen him in the role a little bit like Timo was playing for Romelu, maybe just a little bit more, uh, a little bit further back, a little bit more, so he could see more of, of what was going yeah. on in front of him. I think there's, um, I think there was, there's, there's, I think just playing off a striker, but a little bit deeper perhaps than Timo yeah. Werner plays would have been a brilliant role for him. Or will yeah, be a brilliant we'll, role. We'll see. You know, I think there'll be different combinations. Yeah. This this story hasn't hasn't hardly started yet for Havertz. I don't think. I think you know. No, absolutely. Let's um, you know, let, let's see what happens. As Who on earth would have Is that their time phone on Havertz's career? I know we've got five minutes, and he's <laughs> waving at me, which means we've got to get on with it. Well, Good you guys can carry dribble. on. I've only got five minutes. That's, that's no, 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 no. We're, we're nearly there. Uh, the other thing I'd like to say about the Norwich game: two things. Reese James scores one of the most Massive. beautiful classical goals you will ever see at Stamford Bridge. And the other magic moment for me was Ruben Loftus-Cheek's run and then nearly messing it up, but managing it to give it to Mason to score that hat-trick goal. Um, Do you think he was the... going for that himself as well? He, he knew Mason was on a hat-trick, but he was thinking, I'm getting a goal here. And then he yeah, had he to pass it. Yeah, he had, he had to pass to. it. Yeah, yeah, because of that... Awful, awful touch. Just quickly on that, have you seen the clip? Someone's got a say, clip on. Somebody put the lovely video up yeah, of yeah. Mason talking about Ruben, didn't they? Which was nice. It was like five years ago, and he's saying, "Oh, he's the player I idolised most from the academy." And then they cut to the them two hugging after the assist. It's been a few of those yeah. with Mason, hasn't there? Been a few of those like videos from from when he was like eight years old. And 10 That's because he's proper Chelsea, isn't it? <laughs> well, he's actually Portsmouth. I'm really gutted that we don't have time to sort of be talking a bit more about other players. Like that, who've you know, who seem to be getting a, a new lease of life yeah. under Tuchel, uh, particularly Ruben, who's who's looked really good in the in the minutes that he's had. I think that's the great back, thing I about think. Tuchel is he's, he seems to be a very inclusive manager who's 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 running a meritocracy, who's saying if you're good enough, then I will give you a chance, and you know if you buy into what I'm trying to do, and you, you know, and 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 you prove yourself and you play well, then I I, I will trust you, and and I I think that's really something to be applauded in a manager. And he's honest as well when people were trying to wind him up last week about the fact that Billy Gilmore's not getting the minutes at Norwich. And he said, well, look, you know, he may not be doing what is needed from him there. And I thought that was quite honest as well. Rather, no, we need him to play these games. That's why he's sent there. He accepts that players don't always do what the manager wants and end up out of the side. I can't imagine not getting in this Norwich team, though. I can't believe that he's not getting in this Norwich team. I'd be disappointed not to get in this team. They were (laughs) shocking, man. (laughs) Okay, but it's the point that he accepts the manager's point of view, rightly or wrongly, and maybe that's why they're down there, because the manager doesn't see what he's got. Look, we, we we should move on quickly just for the last bit. Um, of the roundup of this first programme for the week. I need predictions for the Southampton game in the Carabao Cup. Uh, Andy, I'll go with you first. This is, is there such a thing as a second string side now for us? Is that what he's going to put out? And what's the score going to be? I don't think it'll be a, well, it, it may not be what we, you would consider a full strength Premier League side, but I think I think he'll still have some experience in there, but he might blood a few people and bring a few of the fringe players in. Um, I, listen, I don't think it's going to be an easy game. It's something I think Southampton will want to win, and Southampton on their day are a, are a decent team. So I don't think it's going to be, uh, I don't think it's going to be easy for us. I'm going to say 2-1 us. Okay, uh, Gary, over to you. Your prediction and thoughts. Three-two Chelsea and Saul Niguez to score. Oh, a hat trick! Very specific. I think it's actually less, perhaps less about the team that we pick and more about the team that Southampton pick. And if they go full strength, I think if uh, 
person who wants to really kind of make a statement in that competition, then, you know, I, I could even see it being a draw, one all with us to win on pens, something like that. But uh, Ross Barkley to score, you heard it here first. Oh, Excellent. Oh, about, I like talking it. Talking about men getting a, a, a new lease of life. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, God. Yeah. I've, now yeah. I've got to come up with something really clever. I'm not sure that's possible. <laughs> I nearly got the right score last week with 6-0 against Norwich. And then, sadly, they got seventh, which I was very upset you about. You said 6-1, six um, not 6-0. Six, 6-1, six, six, yeah. Oh, well, you gave them a goal. I know, you gave them a I goal. Know. Oh, no. So, yeah, you're right. What a fool. They're red-top okay. striker as well. God, he was awful. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go 2-0 Chelsea, and I'm going to go for the score. It'd be uh, two from Chalabar. There you go. Um, that's it. We're... You will look a genius if that comes true. Oh, yeah, true, well, you know, I've got to come up with something <laughs> ridiculous. So so there we go. Who knows? Maybe I'll be hailed as a genius again next week. Um, but there you go. That's it. Thank you ever so much, everyone. That's the end of the first show for this week. Uh, we'll be back later in the week, Chaz, myself and Gary, to talk about the Newcastle game away. Until then, have a fantastic week. Thank you, Andy. Thank you, Gary. Thank you, Chaz. Up the blues. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.